Looking at the news headlines on load shedding, corruption, labor disputes, damaged infrastructure, economic woes, and more, it's easy to become disheartened about investing in South Africa. However, one has to ask, is this the objective South African story? Are there opportunities in this apparent chaos? And could it be that local is lacquer for a change when it comes to equities and bonds? Well, joining us to discuss this is PSG Wealth Chief Investment Officer, Adrian Pask. Hi, Adrian. Welcome back. If one compares the South African and U.S. economic backdrop, what is PSG's view on the relative economic outlook of the two when considering investments? Hi, Kieran, and thank you very much for, for having me on. Yeah, I think, I mean, when it comes to our investment approach, we're not specifically either top-down or bottom-up investors just looking at either the macro environment or valuations, for example. Um, instead, what we try to do is to be a little bit more pragmatic in our approach, and we try to contextualize all the available opportunities and risks by considering both valuation and the macro picture, but amongst a, a wider range of other factors. That being said, uh, we know that the macro becomes increasingly influential on both opportunities and risks when uh, there's substantial monetary policy changes, as we've seen uh, locally and abroad. So we're spending quite a bit more time um, trying to understand the impact of that going forward. You know, so obviously these things affect client portfolios in a, in, in a big way. So in the South African context, you mentioned in, in your introduction the, the wide range of, of risks and challenges. I think that the key ones that I can maybe add is obviously um, increasing interest rates, as I've mentioned. ESCOM remains a significant challenge, um, and we've all had to, had to uh, go through the pain again with extended load shedding, but the economic impact is significant. Um, unemployment remains a huge structural challenge for us. Um, and to combat those, you need growth, but we've experienced insufficient growth to combat that. And that has really translated in very poor sentiment, both from consumers, but also from business in general, and even externally from far, foreign direct investment. Um, so there's many, many challenges in the South African landscape. In, in the foreign side, though, ever, um, it's not as easy. So it's strange how people always sort of just by default you know, invest offshore on the back of experiencing and living all these South African challenges. But in the foreign markets, things aren't easy. Um, rising interest rates um, have an even more substantial impact, given that they're coming off a, a very low base at the moment. Excessive debt levels, um, it's really a gamble on growth because ultimately the debt needs to be paid off. So you need to promote growth with whatever you borrow. And if that growth isn't coming through, then your debt starts to escalate and you don't have any growth to pay any of it off. So you can, it is a big gamble to take. And we see a lot of that happening at the moment, especially in developed markets. And you can't really stimulate growth in that environment because you've got monetary policy tightening. So we've got interest rates going up to combat inflation. And the only other thing that they can do to stimulate is with fiscal policy, but you can't really do that either because you've got an existing debt situation. So you, you can very easily end up in a very sticky situation with very significant risks on, on that side as well. So, I mean, if we compare... Um, you know, some of the high-level things that I've mentioned now, I mean, we know that the unemployment here is terrible. Um, it compares uh, very unfavorably with pretty much any country around the globe. But our debt-to-GDP numbers are actually still relatively good um, compared to um, what we've seen globally. So global debt numbers have escalated significantly through COVID. The U.S., for example, is heading towards 140% debt-to-GDP. Um, our number is, is below that at around 70%, so it's still reasonably manageable. On, on that front. Inflation rates 
here and there at around 8%. But I think what we do notice is that I think South African investors, professional investors are much better suited to managing money in an inflationary environment. This is not the first time that we've seen inflation at these levels. If we go back to 2016, we've seen it and we've seen it on many other occasions. So I think our managers tend to be quite well prepared for something like this, where we do see in the offshore space, especially in developed markets, that um, professional money managers are not all doing that well so it's a handful of, of uh, professional money managers that are, are doing well in that space and i think the other two key differences would be um if we consider what was said in the in the budgets going back to COVID, the forecast for debt to gdp looked terrible because um, we knew we had to support the population with grants and other social support to get through COVID, and the, and the debts were just racking up. But in the forecast, we don't really put anything in for higher commodity prices, and that has transpired since then. And that has really been a massive, massive tailwind for us. Our, our current account is fantastic shape, and in the U.S. case, the current account has been slipping consistently for a very long time. So it is actually quite strange that the dollar is so strong as well. So there's various things, but I think on a macro level, things abroad aren't looking great and the risks are escalating, which means that on a relative basis, South Africa, the gap between South Africa and the U.S. is far less significant than, than I would imagine most believe. And from a debt perspective, we're actually in a much better space. You did mention the debt to GDP, 140% roughly in the United States versus 70%, about half in South Africa, which is quite a positive for us. And also, you mentioned the rising commodity prices, which has been very good for our current account. So do you believe there's merit in investing in South Africa relative to overseas markets? Yeah, I think, I mean, if we if we do a similar comparison between the two countries, if we look at cash yields, for example, it's um, quite easy to generate a, a roughly 6% yield on, a, on even a cash investment in South Africa at the moment, and interest rates are still going up. Um, and then our, our bonds are, are yielding at around 10 11% as well, uh, which is extremely attractive. The valuation on our equities are on single-digit levels. Um, dividend yields are in excess of 4%. Our profit margins are actually very sound. I mean, there's a, a high component of uh, commodity uh, company profitability in there, but our profit margins are actually higher than what they are for U.S. companies at the moment. Um, and if we look at the earnings yield coming out of South African companies, it's, it's almost double what you would receive out of the U.S. on aggregate. So there's definitely merit if you start to look at some of the data objectively. I think it's just a case of sentiment really introducing a lot of fog into the assessment. South Africans have become fairly obsessed with offshore investment over the last decade. Has that obsession still got merit given what you've just been describing to us? Should we still be looking at offshore investment? Yeah, I think that the way we tend to look at, at individual securities, portfolios, local, offshore, um, we will always consider that on a, on a risk-adjusted basis. So return prospects are definitely poorer than what they were going back, say, 10 years out, for example. Um, although, that being said, the risk of overpaying for offshore assets has started to recede a bit as prices have come down this year. Um and, and the tide has gone out quite indiscriminately, which always gives some rise to, to opportunities. So I think there's, there's still merit in offshore investment as well. But the dynamic has changed a lot. So if I typically think about offshore investment, it, it really provides me with two key benefits. The one is access to investment opportunities abroad, obviously, so from a return perspective. 
but it actually plays an important role in a, in a broader portfolio from a diversification perspective. So we saw a good example is what we saw through COVID when the Rand dollar exchange rate blew out to 1950, if I could recall correctly. And that's a good instance of how your offshore investors can help you during a time of crisis. But I think things have changed quite significantly. So uh, if, if I use the going back 10 years ago, um, example again, offshore had excellent investment return prospects plus very good diversification properties at the time because the dollar wasn't as strong as what it is now. Following in 2020, the prospects we felt was a bit weaker given that valuations were quite stiff, but there were still very good diversification benefits. So, but that was the key appeal and I think the key change over time. The diversification benefit overtook the return prospect benefit. Um, and it was quite useful because we see opportunities in South Africa, but we can diversify quite successfully by also introducing some offshore exposure. So that's quite helpful. But what we saw with the COVID recovery thereafter was that as valuations kicked up and prices kicked up, um, the prospects started to weaken very quickly. Um, and as the dollar strengthened, the diversification properties also started to weaken quite significantly. So that introduces another complexity. So where we are now, ideally, we would like to be more assertive in allocating offshore once consensus earnings forecast and the dollar normalize. So we think there's just a little bit too much optimism in there. It's not to say we don't invest offshore at all. Obviously, there's a big component of offshore still in our portfolios. But I think the two traditional characteristics of offshore investing and the key benefits have sort of been through this roller coaster in terms of how much value they, they add on a relative basis. So, um, like I said, I just think the dollar at this stage is, is one of the key things we would like for that to come down so that we can enhance the diversification prospects to offshore investing. It does seem that we're looking at sort of history in the making here. We are in a situation economically and from an investment point of view that we haven't seen in decades. What, what are some of the risks that you are looking out for when investing abroad? So it feels like at, at the moment there's, there's more than what there's been in, in quite some time. I've mentioned some of these already, but I think um, the strong dollars is a key factor for us. I, I think receding margins also something worth considering. So if we look at corporates, funding costs are kicking up. Taxes are, are likely to be under pressure uh, over the medium term as well. Wages are under pressure. A lot of inflationary cost pressures kicking in. So I think margins something to to keep an eye on. Um, uh, other key risk would be the, the consensus uh, forecast from the analysts. I think that's still too optimistic, as I've mentioned. Um, developed market bonds are still trading at, at negative real yields, which is also an issue. So they'll experience more, more pressure as interest rates continue to rise. Europe has significant issues. Um, obviously, the growth is a challenge, but there's, there's complexities in the bond market there as well. So in particular, the Italian bonds are something that we're keeping a close eye on. In China, there's a lot of growth uncertainty at the moment, which is playing with markets. So, so you can tell pretty much all around the globe there's issues. Um, so I think it's, it's more kind of just balancing the debate. I mean, South Africa is not risk-free investing by any means, but it seems like the risks are starting to um, surface as interest rates rise. They have started to surface at, at, around the globe. So the ones I've mentioned now would probably be the ones front of mind for me from a risk perspective. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Adrian Pask, Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth.